The last practice, practice number seven, is that we want to be people that make disciples, not just converts. Now, I'm not saying we don't want to convert, but this idea of converting people to be children of God or to accept Jesus, we need to talk through that because if Jesus is on mission all around us, maybe we need to look and do that a little bit differently. There's a gentleman that wrote a book some years ago. Um, The book was entitled Younger Evangelicals. And in this book, he kind of laid out the strategy that the church has had for hundreds of years. He said, in the church, we've had this idea that first, people need to believe in Jesus. Once they believe in Jesus, then they have to behave like Jesus. And then once they behave like Jesus, now they can belong to our community. And in that belonging, they can become discipled. They can grow in their faith. They can learn about the kingdom of God. They can grow in the abundant life. But before they belong, they have to behave. But before they behave, they have to first believe. And this strategy has been in our church for a number of years. And myself, as someone working as a traditional missionary, I was one of the people that would go out on the streets and try to convince people they needed to believe in Jesus. And then they'd have like only a few days to stop doing things in their lives, stop drinking, smoking, break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, get their lives in order before they could come to church and belong to my community. Because it'd be awkward if they came in here with smoking and dropping the F-bomb. It would just be weird. Matt, what are you doing bringing people like that into our church? (laughs) Because they have to first behave before they can belong to our community. So I spent time doing this and thinking of tactics and trying to get the gospel into its irreducible minimum to communicate to people in the most brief amount of time. And I'm not opposed to that. But when I've thought it through and looked at it through this context and through this lens of Jesus being on mission all around us all the time, maybe it seems a little bit out of the ordinary to just walk up to someone on the street and try to convince them to believe in Jesus. We might walk up on the street and find someone and say, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, anyway, so um, do you know who Jesus is? Je- Jesus? Yeah, you know Jesus, the son of, like, Jesus? No, not Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> do you know Jesus? Do you know that he actually died for you? Someone died for me? Like, yeah, he, like, literally died. He lived and died 2,000 years ago, and he died, and then he was raised again. <laughs> Hold on a second. Jesus died for me? Who's, I didn't even ask him to die for me. It doesn't matter. Listen, okay, bro. Jesus lived, then he died, he's resurrected, and now he wants to live inside your heart. Someone wants to come inside my heart and he's dead, but he's, is he dead or alive? I don't understand. Listen to me. You need to know about Jesus. Okay. If you were to fall into the street and a bus was to come flying down the road and run you over, where would you go? (laughs) The hospital? I don't know. Like these questions, I just want to go to work right now. No, you go to hell because you need to have Jesus inside your heart. How do I get dead guy in my heart? Just accept Jesus. And we try to convince people of this grand story in like 30 seconds because they got to accept Jesus in their heart. And then they only have so much time to go home, get their lives in order, behave like him so that I can bring him to church on Sunday and they can now belong. And that's what we do. And I'm not saying it's bad. There are times in our lives where we stand up, communicate the gospel in that moment that people are ready to hear. But Jesus did things a little bit differently. In fact, we never see Jesus ever saying a salvation prayer with anybody. In fact, Jesus was tremendously offensive, not because of who he kept out, but because of who he let in. Let me say that again. 
Jesus was offensive, not because of who he kept out, but because of who he let in. So the churches had this idea of believe, behave, belong. But when we look at scripture, we don't see that with Jesus. Because when Jesus rolled up on the scene, guess what? Everyone felt like they belonged. Everyone did. It was a thing that the religious leaders hated about Jesus because anyone could come and hang out with him. He was called the friend of sinners. He had women that hung out with him that had multiple partners. It was, he was accepting people into his community that the religious leaders of the day were having a heart attack about. But Jesus understood something. If people don't get a chance to see and experience the kingdom, how are they ever really going to believe in the kingdom? See, if we were all honest here with all of us here talking, if we were just to hang around, sit around and watch some TV, we would probably admit that, yeah, we believed in Jesus and we behaved and belonged. But really, even in our belonging now, we kind of have like our Sunday behavior on right now. We don't usually always behave like this the other days of the week. I mean, we try. But, you know, there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of inside of us. And right now we're the doctor on Monday. It's Mr. Hyde. You know, like we, we admit it, right? Like we have things that come up in our lives. And maybe when we got saved when we were younger, we came into community. We were growing in faith. And then we got married. And then all this other stuff started to come out. And we're like, am I even a Christian anymore? You know that moment? <laughs> or your wife was saying, are you even a Christian anymore? You're like, I don't know. It's See, Jesus understood that people needed to first belong. They needed to see the kingdom. They needed to hang out with him. They needed to to touch it, to feel it. When you look at the disciples that Jesus called, they weren't the best believers. And you can see that they probably didn't even believe until after their time with Jesus. Jesus called fishermen, these young guys, who many of them were not adequate enough to study under a rabbi, and that's why they were fishermen. Other rabbis wouldn't have picked them up because they were fishermen and fishermen had a way about them, a a swag, if you want to call it, or a language that they would consistently use that wasn't appropriate with the religious system of the day. Guess what? Jesus said some of these fishermen could belong to his community. He called a guy named Simon the Zealot. We don't talk much about what it meant to be a zealot at that time. But according to the world power at that time, according to the local government in Israel, do you know what a zealot was? It was a terrorist because zealots were determined to overthrow Roman power. We might look at it and think it's justified today, but at that time, zealots were causing trouble at the expense of human life to communicate their idea. That's what they're aiming for, to rid Israel of, Romans, of Rome's power and get them weight. Not the best person to have on your team if you want people to feel comfortable to hang out and have dinner together. Yet, Jesus said, you belong. Matthew, the tax collector. Come on, Jesus. Like, really? Like, that's bad publicity. Don't bring that guy around. I'm not coming hanging out with Matthew. The tax collector's there. What does he want from me? What is he going to take from me? But guess what? For Jesus, he said, you belong. See, Jesus understood that people needed to first belong so they could experience, see, touch, taste, feel the kingdom before they actually believed. Now, Peter as we know, is one member of the crew or the squad of Jesus that didn't even fully believe probably until much later. In fact, I would venture to say Peter didn't really believe until the moment he saw Jesus actually resurrected on the shore cooking fish for them. Now, Peter spent three years with Jesus. 
three years. That's three groupings of 365 days. I would like three minutes with Jesus right now. I'm sorry. I'll take 30 seconds with Jesus right now. He had three whole years walking with Jesus, hanging out with him, asking him tough questions about the law, asking about who God was, his role with the kingdom, asking him all these intense questions. Three whole years, yet he still denied Christ three times. After three years, Judas, Jesus said, you belong. Jesus knew that Judas would probably deny him, but I think what we see in Jesus and letting Judas still belong, though knowing he may betray him, is the God-man of Jesus. There's a moment where you see Jesus before he goes to do what he has to do at the cross. He cries out in the garden, crying sweat that's blood, saying, Father, will you take this cup from me? That's where we see Christ's humanity. Yet knowing that in his deity, what he has to do. I think in some ways, in Christ's humanity, he knew what Judas might do, but he was saying, still, would you belong? Maybe you don't have to do what you're going to do. See, Jesus said, come belong. Come hang out. Come walk with me. Come eat with me. Come be a part of spreading the news of the kingdom. And even after three years, some of them struggled to believe. But guess what? At the moment that they chose to believe, their entire behavior radically changed. You don't see any disciple the same ever again. Peter hung upside down on the cross for his faith. Some of the disciples journeyed as far as India to spread the gospel because they took Jesus' command of making disciples of all nations to heart and they stepped out and did that. That their behavior was so radically changed because they got a chance to belong and then believe and then behave. My heart and my idea that I would submit to you this morning is that we should seek to disciple people into their faith. That we would allow people to come into our lives, see the kingdom in our lives, touch the kingdom in our lives, and at the moment when Christ says, I will draw that man unto myself, we get to be a part of that, but they're still in our life. See, when you accept Jesus, it will consume your whole life. I mean, if you think about it, when I got married, I learned pretty quick that my life wasn't my own anymore. Finances weren't my own anymore. Time wasn't my own anymore. I didn't really dress myself anymore. If I was really honest, I would probably admit to you that I haven't been to the bathroom by myself in a long time because something's always got to happen when I'm in there. That marriage would completely consume my life. It would completely take over my life. And, And I would tell you, for the better. I'm a better person because of it. But, it. but it took everything. It was a learning of how to share control of my life and my finances, to share control of my decisions for my family and what was happening. It, it consumed everything. And, and in some ways, that's what it means to believe in Jesus. But when we walk onto the street and try to express that to someone, it kind of comes across like an arranged marriage. We're not letting them have time to date Jesus. <laughs> We're just like, it's going to radically change your life. It's going to expect everything from you. It's going to change everything. And you got to say the prayer right now. Can I go home and sleep on it? No. No sleeping on this decision. You might die in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus made some radical statements when it came to following him. Jesus made some radical statements when it came to what it meant 
to actually believe in him. And, and I think that's why Jesus allowed people to belong first, because he wanted them to understand what they were getting themselves into. He wanted them to understand what it was actually going to cost them. Now, I know sometimes we're going to, I'm going to read some verses to you, to you t- this morning, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, he said that, but he didn't really mean that. But I don't know, maybe he means it something different. But I don't know, Jesus is pretty clear in what it takes to follow him. And, and the position in your life that he wants to take when you choose to believe in him. He has some words to say about family. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 60. And he said to another, this is someone that, wants to, that runs up to him, he says to another, follow me. But the man he's talking to said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go, go and proclaim the kingdom Go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. It's like, can we just wait a few minutes here? I just got to put him in the ground. It won't take that long. Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Oh, gosh. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Oh, my gosh. When I ask my son, son, am I your number one dad? You know what he tells me? You're number two. Jesus is number one. I'm a little sad about that in the moment. I'll admit it. It's like, I, don't know, I wish you would struggle with that one a little bit, son. Can you struggle with that one a little bit, you know? But that's the position Jesus is meant to take in our lives. With our finances, Matthew 19, 16 to 21. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good shall I do that I might obtain eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter, your, enter into life, keep the commandments. And then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. What? He says, yeah, you want to follow me? Get rid of all the stuff. Give it away. Now follow me. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. This is probably as extreme as it gets. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus understood that when you accepted the kingdom of God, it was going to take over everything. And so he didn't want someone to make that decision in a 30-second prayer in a street corner. He said, come walk with me for three years. Because when you walk with me and you see it and you touch it and you taste it and you find that yourself is a part of it, then the moment you choose to believe, your behavior is going to change like that because you're going to know what you're getting yourself into. I have a friend, he puts it like this. He says, one time I told my daughter, go clean your room. He goes, what if she came back and said, okay, dad, I spent about two hours. Uh, I didn't clean my room, but I memorized what you said. <laughs> you memorized what I said? Yeah, I, I mean, did you, you didn't want me to do it. I just memorized what you said. And actually, I can repeat it back to you in Greek also. Yeah, and actually some of my friends, they're going to come over later. We're going to have a study about what you said about cleaning my room. But did you clean your room? No, isn't that good enough? I mean, 
We're just going to have a study about it. (laughs) Do we take the things that Jesus said to heart? Is it something that we just memorize, or do we actually do those very things? I don't know. These scriptures offend my heart. I don't know. Maybe they don't offend your heart. But it puts me in a place of saying, this is what I've signed up for. What does this look like? How do I live my life in this manner? And I think when we live our lives in that manner and we open our lives, our hands, our dinner tables, our workspaces, our schedules, when we open it for people to come into our life and we allow them to belong, where they can see us pray expectantly, where they can see us learn the scriptures so we can live it, where they see us have community that's changing together, where we're not seeking to do that all on our own, where they see that we look at our culture, we don't consume it, we shape it. When they see that we live our lives with our knees in the dirt, determined to be a blessing to those around us and caring for the entire world, when they see us doing those things because it's what we believe, guess what? They might actually begin to see the kingdom of God. That we might actually be able to be people that disciple others into their faith. That we might be people that are willing to lay down our time constraints, lay down our finances, lay down our schedules, not entirely, but to just make ourselves a bit open that Jesus might bring one person into our life that we could begin to disciple into their faith. Now, as we do that, that decision that someone makes is ultimately between them and God. But a lot of times we'll get the privilege to be there at that moment when they come to us and they decide, hey, Matt, I've decided that I want to give my life to this guy named Jesus, that I want his kingdom to exist in my life and I want to exist in his kingdom. And we say, hey, let's get on our knees and confess that before him. And that when that happens, then the kingdom invades into their life and change begins to happen. (laughs) But it's not just behavior modification. It's changing because their beliefs about the world have changed. If you're trying to continually change your behavior without changing your beliefs, it's going to be a very exhausting process. Until you change your beliefs, your behavior will never change. We are meant to be people that open our lives and let others belong that when they belong and see the way we live our lives on mission with Jesus, that at some point they're most likely going to believe. And then when they believe, they begin walking with us and seeing our behavior begin to change and to share that story with those around us.